Welcome back, everyone, to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk. I am a, an attorney, a healthcare law attorney, and advocate for healthcare reform for many, many years. Many thanks to our national sponsor, Pair Networks, world class web hosting and domain registration. Pair.com, P A I R.com. Now, this program is devoted to the one issue that impacts every one of us healthcare. You're either getting it or you're going to need it or you're paying for it. Well, you're all paying for it every time you, you buy something with a sales tax or you pay your taxes. If you're not paying for your own, you're paying for somebody else's. If you're working and you get your health care insurance through work, those are dollars that aren't in your paycheck because they're going to pay health care premiums. So it affects all of us. Here at this program, Healthcare Politics, we take a different tack than what you may be used to in talk radio. We actually dare to be reasonable. I know that that probably knocked you out of your chair. Dare to be reasonable. Uh, it's all substance all the time. We'd cover healthcare news, commentary on important topics of the day. We also have extended interviews, and none of this uh, interview by soundbite stuff. We're carried on radio stations from Massachusetts to California to Arkansas, more stations every week. It's uh, quite, quite something. And so this week, we have a very famous healthcare uh, his, person in healthcare history, I should say. His name is Wendell Potter. You may recall that about 10 years ago, before the Affordable Care Act, it was Wendell Potter who was working for Cigna, one of the great uh, behemoths of the healthcare insurance industry. And he was working in their public relations department. And he just frankly couldn't take it anymore. He couldn't lie anymore. So he came out and he blew the whistle and appeared before Congress. And that is our guest, our extended interview guest later in the show. But first, a little bit of health care news. While the president is out of the country, while Washington is in turmoil, trying to determine if that president conspired to uh, you know, conspired with the Russians to win his election, uh, while the news drifts from one distraction to the next, there are competing groups in Washington and around the country debating the future of health care finance in the United States. Uh, in the U.S. Senate, there's an all-male special committee, and I, of course it's all-male because women don't ever need health care. So let's just limit that committee to men. And it's appointed by the leader of the House uh, senators, and they're trying to figure out what to do. The latest news out of that committee is they are pretty well giving up already. They're thinking that maybe what they need to do is do something minimal just so they could say they kept their promise to the taxpayers, but not really seriously try and tackle the repeal of health care of, of the Affordable Care Act. Meanwhile, Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana and Susan Collins of Maine are pressing forward with their proposal. You may recall that we covered that when it came out back in February. They came out with something that I basically called Obamacare light. It, it has enough in it to sort of throw some red meat to the conservatives. But by and large, the biggest change is those states that like the Affordable Care Act can keep it. If you like it just the way it is, if you're California and you love it, or New York or, or some of these other states, and you like things just the way they are, uh, you can keep it. If you're one of these states that doesn't like it so much and hasn't expanded the Medicaid, for example, Texas or Florida, uh, the, the gift to them is they can have the cash that they've been leaving on the table the past three years 
as a block grant, and they can use that money and show us what you can do with it. Uh, and so that's certainly something that would be attractive to Texas and Florida because we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars that they just simply have turned their back on because they don't, they didn't like President Obama, and they don't like anything with Obama's name associated with it. They'd rather just let hundreds of thousands of their citizens languish uninsured than to uh, go along with the program. We also have many uh, governors around the country who are getting together. They just don't trust Washington to get this right. Uh, Governors like John Kasich of Ohio, they're getting together to try and develop their own plan to submit to the the House and Senate and hope that it'll work. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about this a little bit more. This is Steve Larchuk, Healthcare Politics. We'll be right back. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me, like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me, but I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. What are all the things you witness online in a day? Cats playing piano, selfies on your feed, your friend's picture being turned into a nasty meme that's been shared 50 times, 51, 52, When someone's being bullied online, it's hard to know what to do. Now you can speak up with the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble, and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool, and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. And you are back with Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk, and today... Our very special guest is going to be Wendell Potter. We have a recorded interview with Dr. Potter. He's a Ph.D. Actually, I, you know, I meant that. I asked him about that, and he's not. I, it, may, it may have been an honorary Ph.D., but be that as it may. Uh, he is an accomplished uh, speaker. He's been on all of the major news shows and interview shows. He's testified in front of Congress many times. And he is synonymous with health care reform because he came out of the healthcare industry. He was one of their, the guys in charge of uh, the big lie of healthcare uh, insurance. And he just couldn't take it anymore. And he'll tell you the very uh, touching story about his moment of truth and when he decided to come forward. Uh, He'll tell you about when his conscience won out out over his uh, personal financial well-being. And anytime I hear a story like that, I I sort of ask myself if if I would have had the same courage. Uh, listen to what he has to say. We're going to come back to that uh, shortly. And in the process, we'll talk about the book he wrote back in 2010 called Deadly Spin. Uh, What he's referring to is his own spinning of the story for Cigna Insurance Company. In uh, chapter one of that book, Deadly Spin, he talks about the first time he testified in front of Congress. That was in June 2009. And for those healthcare historians among you, you may recall that the President uh, Obama was elected in 2008, and the economy was as bad as you can ever imagine. Some of us have managed to suppress those memories, but we were losing 700,000 jobs a month, not a year, a month. 
that's what was happening in the months leading up to January 2009 when President Obama took the oath of office. And for a couple more months, that, that hemorrhaging of jobs continued. People were losing their jobs and with it their health insurance. And although they had COBRA, uh, of course, that's a joke. You're supposed to pay this enormous amount of premium at the very moment you don't have a job. And so exactly how are you supposed to pay it? I, I never quite understood the logic of that, but that's what was happening. Plus, the people that were keeping jobs were working for employers who were desperate to try and find ways to cut overhead. And one of the ways you do that is you reduce the quality of the health insurance, you cut it out altogether. So it was, it was about that same time when this, this man that no one had ever heard of, Wendell Potter, came out from behind the walls at Cigna, and he appeared in Congress, which was just taking up health care reform, along with all of the things that were happening with the, the banks failing and all of this. And he, he wrote in his book, and I'm just going to quote a little bit of it. This is in Chapter 1. He, he writes, I explained how insurance companies make promises they have no intention of keeping, how they flout regulations designed to protect consumers, and how they, need, how they make it nearly impossible to understand or even obtain information needed by consumers. I described how for-profit insurance companies in their constant quest to meet Wall Street profit expectations routinely cancel the coverage of policyholders who get sick, and how they purge small businesses when their employees' medical claims exceed what underwriters expect. So this is somebody you need to listen to. But before we talk about that a little bit more, I'd like to set it up a little bit. I visited a protest and counter-protest outside the offices of Congressman Keith Rothfuss, Rothfuss, R-O-T-H-F-U-S, who is the congressman elected in 2012 for the 12th District of Pennsylvania, which is in the southwest part of Pennsylvania. And he uh, won in 2014 and won in 2016, and he he was a, a major voice against the Affordable Care Act, what he called Obamacare, and he has told us all that he was elected to repeal Obamacare, and that's what he's going to do. So I went up to the the protest because every Wednesday they have what they call Wednesdays with Keith, and there are anywhere from 10 to 50 to sometimes 100 protesters uh, in terms of people who are against what the Republicans are doing. And then there's, of course, counter-protesters. Many of them are pro-life, anti-choice people. Many are there uh, supporting the health care program. So I I like to talk to them all, and I don't argue with them. I just I want to hear what they have to say and bring some of that to you from time to time. And so we've teed up one part of one interview because it's very relevant to what we're going to do with Wendell Potter. Your name, sir? Gregory Wrightstone. And where do you live, Mr. Wrightstone? McCandless Township, northern Pittsburgh. And why are you out here today? I'm supporting Keith Rothfuss for uh, opposing Obamacare. I think I could be called the poster child for everything wrong with Obamacare. I mean, we're we're spending 1500 a month. We got it through the marketplace. I make just a little bit too much to qualify for a uh, the benefit or whatever. Uh, we've lost our insurance company three years in a row. We've lost all of our specialists. My wife has gotten now three years in a row had to go get a new gynecologist. So I'd ask all the ladies out there that are listening, how would you like to get a new gynecologist every 12 months? 
that's a pretty personal choice that a woman needs to make, and it should be up to her. And she was not allowed to keep her gynecologist now three years in a row. And uh, we were on United Healthcare, and they opted out of the business last year. And we've got UPMC through the marketplace this year. And again, we have a combined $6,000 deductible uh, for myself and then my wife. So we're going to spend we're going to spend over thirty thousand this year in health insurance. Now, your uh, congressman, Mr. Rothfuss, just voted for a bill that uh, narrowly passed through the House, and I'm just curious how you think that bill would improve your situation. Well, it, uh, as I understand it, I've not read it. Uh, anything it does to get rid of Obamacare and back to the free markets is good with me because free markets has worked in every other marketplace. Uh, and I don't see any reason why it can't work here. I had great health insurance up until Obamacare. I was very, very pleased, and we've been nothing but displeased ever since. I got to pay 140 bucks every time I go to a non-primary care physician as a copay. I mean, that on top of the, the, the deductibles, the high monthly costs, it's, it's, I don't see how people that can, can afford this. I certainly can't. Now that was uh, Mr. Wrightstone, and as you could tell, we were right next to a highway, uh, all sorts of people shouting, this is a Wednesday ritual in uh, northern Pittsburgh, because Keith Rothfuss has refused to have a town meeting. He will invite a handful of people from time to time to talk with him, and he'll listen to what they have to say, but he won't come out and have a town meeting, and it used to be that he would have what he called Coffees with Keith, and he would put it on his website, and he would say, I'm going to be at a certain coffee shop on such and such day at such and such time. And, I mean, literally one, three, five people might show up. I don't know who bought the coffee, but it obviously was not a big deal. Now, if he if he put on his website that he was going to have a coffee with Keith, the place would be overrun. Uh, but this, this gentleman, part of the reason I selected that tape that interview part is because he's an example of one of these folks who has this unbelievable nostalgia for the pre-Affordable Care Act days. He, he, he plainly doesn't remember what was going on and why things were so desperate before the Affordable Care Act, uh, what people call Obamacare, was passed. And it's interesting, he, he admitted to me after, I, uh, after that tape portion that he actually had uh, a uh, uh, health care plan through his employer, and now he pays for it himself. And it's it, it would be rare that somebody who just was asked out of the blue how much money their, their employer was paying for their insurance, that they'd actually have an idea. As a matter of fact, it's so rare that I'm, I'm currently reading a book by Dr. Elizabeth Rosenthal. This is a, a doctor, uh, emergency room doctor, trained at Harvard, and she uh, ended up leaving Harvard or her, her medical practice and wrote for the New York Times for 10 years. Now she is the head of Kaiser Health uh, Newsletter, and she's written this book called An American Sickness, which I recommend. But the, the reason it's relevant to what we're talking about today is she actually admits in writing the book that in order to take time off to write it, she had to go on... Um, uh, the uh, Cobra, and it cost her 2200 bucks a month, and she was shocked. So it's, it's amazing. We're going to come back with Wendell Potter. This is Steve Larchuk with Healthcare Politics. Human rights. 
You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it, and you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food, because 40% of all food in the US never gets eaten. Save the food, cook it, store it, share it, just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com, brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Or not. M2. Or not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow. But what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hi, I found a toy dinosaur over on the playground by Smith Street. It had this phone number on it, and, well, I just wanted to make sure the dinosaur made it back to its little owner. When I found the little sippy cup, I just had to give you a call. It's for a kid, you know? I know my son gets super attached to the smallest things, even a fire truck, and I'd be happy to drop it off. We'd do anything for kids, yet one in six children in the U.S. struggle with hunger. Help end childhood hunger. Contact Food Bank of West Central Texas. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. What if I told you that a tornado was going to happen tomorrow, right where you live? That it would touch down at exactly 3.17 p.m. and I told you the exact path it would take. You would, of course, prepare. You would talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you a tornado will strike tomorrow, but shouldn't you have a plan anyway? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Today we decided to walk to school. The light counted. 15, 14. 31, I mean 13. We took a left on Carroll Street. Danny's smart, but he gets distracted. He realized he forgot his homework. I hope he doesn't have another bad day at school. When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council. And welcome everyone back to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk, and this week we are honored to have as our guest Wendell Potter. For anyone that has been involved in healthcare reform, Wendell Potter is a legend, and uh, he is probably blushing wherever he is taking this call. But it's just a simple fact that those of us who we're very frustrated with the ability of the insurance industry to fight so effectively against health care reform. Uh, had our champion just sort of drop out of the sky and Wendell Potter, who at the end of a 20-year career with Cigna uh, as a very highly placed executive in communications, he decided, and I'll let him speak for himself, but in essence he decided that uh, he couldn't do it anymore. He couldn't 
uh, lie for the insurance industry, and he came out at just the right time. The pres- President Obama had been elected. Uh, there was a supermajority. It was going to be maybe a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for the United States to actually adopt health care reform. And uh, Mr. Potter started testifying in front of Congress, and my notes reflect uh, as I prepared for this, that in June 2009, uh, you appeared in front of the, the Senate and started to tell the country what they had suspected, but you began to tell them the truth. And then, uh, in addition to being a frequent testifier, you you were just the flavor of the month on every talk show and uh, radio show, and and I, I can't, I'll bet you've spoken hundreds of times, and so we're, we're really grateful yeah. that you gave us time. And, and, of course, I see you on television now, again, because we're right in the midst of uh, what some people like to call repeal and replace, I call it repeal and displace, but but we'll see. <laughs> I I was looking at your book, A Deadly Spin, which is the book you wrote to, about the insurance industry, and uh, in the introduction, the very first line is is just about enough to knock you out of your seat if you if you don't know it, and I'm just going to quote it. It says about 45,000 people die in America every year because they have no health insurance. That's how you started the introduction to your book back in 2010, I believe it was, or 2011. It's shocking because just a couple of weeks ago, a congressman out in Idaho was confronted by a woman who was saying that if people don't have health insurance, they'll they'll die. And he said, nobody dies from lack of health insurance. And I, I, I just about fell out of my chair over that as well because you'd think a person in Congress representing 700,000 people would have a clue, uh, but he plainly did not, and later he walked it back and said, oh, he just meant that you won't die in the emergency room, <laughs> that they'll take care of you, they'll, they'll, they'll pump you full of whatever you need just so that you can walk out, but if you've got some chronic disease, uh, heart, heart disease, hypertension, diabetes, you're on your own, Jack. So, you're on your own. Yeah, so let's, let's talk a little bit about... Um, I'm always fascinated when people do heroic things. It would have been a lot easier for you to just uh, coast to the end of your career in the healthcare industry, uh, collect your pension, and and just sort of put your feet up. But you you didn't do that. What, tell tell us what was your thinking? You know, I think uh, I did what I did, uh, which was certainly uh, acting on a crisis of conscience because of two things. One, I was a uh, uh, a newspaper reporter when I was uh, younger in my first career, uh, and I uh, felt a, a great obligation, a obligation, a sense of uh, responsibility to always tell the truth, to be factual as much as I possibly could, never to mislead people, uh, certainly never intentionally. Uh, the other factor is that I grew up quite poor uh, in southern Appalachia, in, in the, the northeastern part of Tennessee. Uh, I knew people who didn't have access to good care. I still do. Um, and if it had not been for those two things, I might not have, have made the decision to walk away from a good-paying job. Uh, but, um, you know, on a trip back to Tennessee, I, I happened to go to a, uh, something that was being called a healthcare expedition not too far from where I grew up, across the state line in Wise County, Virginia. It turned out that uh, doctors and nurses and dentists were volunteering their time to, to treat people who just couldn't otherwise afford care. 
And uh, I went there out of curiosity, and I just couldn't believe that I was still in the United States. I saw people who were standing in unbelievably long lines, lines that stretched out of view. And then I saw that a lot of those lines led to, to barns and to animal stalls where people were being treated. Uh, with, you know, you know, They needed the care, but I just could not believe what I was seeing, that they were being treated in this way. There was no dignity. There was there was no privacy. You could walk around and see people being treated. That hit me uh, like a ton of bricks. I knew immediately when I saw that scene that I was part of the problem. I played a role in making it necessary for them to get care that way. Uh, and I knew that you know, had I not had a few lucky breaks, I could have been one of them, that people I grew up with could have been in those lines. People I was related to could have been in those lines. So I made a commitment that day that I would have to find some other way to earn a living. Uh, and I I did. Uh, a few months later, I walked away from my job and uh, decided ultimately, as you noted, during the health care reform debate, to, uh, to go public with what I had learned during my 20 years in the insurance industry to help people understand how it really operates and what I used to do for a living and uh, how that industry and others are able to manipulate public opinion to get people to vote against their own best interests, but also how my last book, uh, Nation on the Take, how they spend money to influence elections and public policy to perpetuate a system that's profitable for them, um, but that just simply doesn't work for, for most others. The House recently passed what some people call Trump Care 2.0, which is essentially uh, a slow motion repeal of the Affordable Care Act and Patient Protection Act. And one of the things that the Republicans who are favoring that bill and, uh, and even their television uh, support uh, is claiming is that if we just leave it to the insurance companies, if we just trust them, they will fairly compete with each other and they that will cause the cost of insurance to come down, just like microchips or LASIK surgery, people like to talk about that, that we should just trust the insurance company uh, because they're, they know more than we do and government will just mess it up. And I'm, what amazes me is people seem to forget what it was like before the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act was passed. Can you sort of remind people what it was like? Oh, absolutely. And it was a time when uh, there were far fewer uh, constraints on the insurance industry than we have now because of the Affordable Care Act. And it was one of the reasons I left my, my job and testified before Congress, because of the abuses of that industry, uh, what they will do if they are able to do it. Uh, uh, and they do it in the name of the free market. And that's why you have so many politicians who say, well, if you just let the free market work, these companies will uh, will do the right thing, and they will serve their customers in the right way. It just is not true, and I saw that up front for many years. Uh, what happens is that in the absence of important regulations, insurance companies uh, will avoid paying for needed care as much as they possibly can. Uh, they think that every dollar that they spend on a claim is a loss. That's why they call, uh, why they pay a lot of attention to what's called a medical loss ratio. Uh, they uh, uh, over the course of, of, of decades, uh, they began uh, implementing policies that discriminated against people because of their age, because of their gender, because of their health status, because of the, their occupation, because of where they lived. Uh, all these were taken into consideration when, when they were uh, uh, 
considering writing uh, a policy or covering someone. And if they decided that you were not someone they wanted to cover, they'd blackball you. They would say, I'm sorry, uh, you had... Uh, uh, you were diagnosed with some condition some years ago, so we think that might come back. We're not going to offer you a policy. And once that happens, once one insurance company turns you down, you have to acknowledge that. You have to say that. You have to be honest when you're talking to or trying to apply for another uh, another plan with another company. Uh, and that means that you just simply are uh, what they refer to in the industry as uninsurable. That's what was going on right. uh, before the Affordable Care Act. And Mr. When they... Mr. Yeah. Potter, we have to. We're up against a hard break here. Uh, don't go away. And uh, this is Steve Larchuk with Healthcare Politics, and our guest this week is Wendell Potter, and he's with us for the rest of the hour. So please come back after the break, and we will get into some more about can we trust the healthcare industry. This is Steve Larchuk, Healthcare Politics. What other dirty little secret all over this land? A free market monster with invisible hands. You're listening to Win Workers Independent News, a diversified media enterprises production. I'm Doug Cunningham. The FCC's two-to-one vote to end Obama-era net neutrality rules is the beginning of a new fight over free speech and equal access for all data on the Internet. The Writers Guild, which supports net neutrality, is a labor union of thousands of professionals who create much of what is seen or heard on television and film in the U.S. Writers Guild members also write a growing portion of original digital media content. Lowell Peterson, executive director of the Writers Guild East, says overturning net neutrality is a terrible idea. He says it's a free speech as well as an equal treatment of data issue. Not a good thing for people who create content and distribute it online, which is our members. Not a good thing for people who consume content online, which is just about everybody. It's exactly a free speech issue. It's a question not only of direct political censorship, although of course we're concerned about that, but it's a form of economic censorship. Powerful players, if given the ability to do this without net neutrality protections, will decide what content consumers read and view. Conservative FCC Chair Ajit Pai says ending net neutrality and handing more power to corporations is a light regulatory touch. A stark contrast to the conservative heavy regulatory touch when it comes to trying to regulate labor unions out of existence. It is certainly not a light touch. It's going to allow the major corporations to put their heavy hands on the internet. That's not a light touch. It's the heavy hands of multinational media conglomerates. Not good. And if unions had the same light touch, we could organize much more effectively and we could counteract some of this stuff. Striking CWA workers at AT AT&T are returning to work today. Joanne Powers has more. 40,000 AT&T workers across the nation walked off their jobs Friday afternoon for a weekend-long strike against the telecom giant. Communication Workers of America spokesperson Candace Johnson says that while the company is making more than a billion dollars a month, AT&T Mobility continues to outsource jobs from workers at their retail stores as well as offshoring good call center jobs. A recent report our union put out showed something like 17,000 good quality call center jobs have been offshored by the company. And again, this is a very profitable and wealthy company. We think it's time to focus on keeping good jobs here in the United States. And these workers are very frustrated over the company's inability to be serious about bargaining. Workers picketed AT&T retail stores throughout the country. CWA Local 4603 steward Jonathan Kruter in Madison, Wisconsin, says the workers are striking because 
because the company has not been bargaining in good faith. They won't sit down. They won't bargain with us. We gave them notice on Wednesday we were going to go on strike on Friday. If you don't sit down and really hammer out the issues that are important to our labor, they still refuse to sit down and meet us on any of our demands. Wynn is made possible in part by the OPEIU, the Office and Professional Employees International Union. You've been listening to Wynn, Workers Independent News. For more information, visit laborradio.org. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You're bringing your daughter to her favorite pop star's concert. Do you A, wear earplugs? Isn't this fun, Dad? I have a soft pretzel. B, remember the moment with matching concert t-shirts. That's going to be 180 bucks. Or we can just take a photo. C, show her how you used to do concerts. We're going crowd surfing. I can't. It's too heavy. Oh, my God. Or D, just roll with it. Woo! Justin! Look at us! We're over here! Justin! Justin! OMG! He just looked... I love you, Justin! I love you! When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org slash AL. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me, like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me. But I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everyone. This is Steve Larchuk. You are with Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. And our very special guest by telephone this week is Wendell Potter, a name which any healthcare advocate will remember. Uh, we are sponsored in part by Pair Networks, P A I R Networks, world class web hosting and domain name registration. You can learn more at pair.com, P A I R.com. And Wendell, I'm, I hope you don't mind if I refer to you by your first name, Wendell Potter. Oh, please, yeah. Thank you so much. You know, uh, we were just talking about the bad old days, and when I say bad old days, I mean before the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. And as we were discussing in the last segment, you you sort of came out of the healthcare closet and and testified and spoke on multiple TV shows and radio shows about the inside dirt about how the healthcare industry was just lying to America. But those of us who were paying attention were were appalled by certain of the activities that you were talking about, one of which was if somebody started turning in claims for, let's say, chemotherapy, the insurance company would say, ah, oh, this person must have cancer. Let's cut them off. Let's kick them off the insurance they may have been paying for for years and years and years. And it was perfectly legal. And, and people, if they if they were in a state that was a little tougher on it, they'd go back to your application and try and find any little inaccuracy uh, that they could latch on to, and they'd say, see, you committed fraud when you applied for this. So that's that's an appalling sort of, of thing. You know, I could sell health insurance for 100 bucks a month if every time somebody submitted a claim I didn't have to pay it, and I would just tell them it's their own fault. And that the other thing was that the policies were getting to be uh, what you referred to back then as junk insurance, well, I call it fake insurance because now that's what we call junk stuff. It's now all fake stuff. So 
I wanted to talk, though, a little bit about uh, your latest book because there's some overlap. You just uh, recently published a book with Nick uh, Penniman called Nation on the Take, and you mentioned that in the last segment. The subtitle is How Big Money Corrupts Our Democracy. And you t- it's a great book, and I, I highly recommend it to everyone listening. But I just want to focus on the healthcare components of that. What is happening now? I mean, we were talking about 10 years ago. What's happening with the healthcare industry now, and how is it that they've got this grip on Congress the way they do? Well, yeah, the reason I wrote uh, my latest book, Nation on the Take, was to go a bit beyond what I did with. Uh, uh, deadly spin. In both books, I pull the curtains back to help people understand how the uh, special interests operate. <clears throat> In the first book, it was largely about how the health insurance companies operate. Uh, this book goes broader. It, 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 it brings in the pharmaceutical industry, for example, and it focuses on how they're able to spend uh, large sums of money because they have access to almost a bottomless pit of money to influence elections and public policy, whether it's legislation or regulations, um, to make sure that they um, are always uh, profiting in some way. And they want to make sure that their shareholders, which is uh, who they care most about, uh, are the ones who benefit most. And that means that regular folks are are certainly not uh, a top priority for these companies. Uh, uh, So, Nation on the Take looks at various industries, shows how it's done. We connect the dots for people. I think this is very important. We we show how we got to this place. Uh, we uh, show uh, examples of various industries and how they do what they do. Uh, but we also connect the dots for people to understand how this affects our daily lives. Uh, it's not just something that is annoying. Uh, it is a, a real problem. Uh, we heard Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders both talk about the system being rigged. Well, they were both right, and they they hit a nerve in this country. And what we do with Nation on the Take is help people understand, okay, here is exactly how it works. Um, Here's what you need to know and what you can do uh, to make some changes and how it affects your life, how how, how it affects your lives and your pocketbook every single day. Well, it's it's always nice when you walk into a room with a problem in the left hand to, to have the solution in your right hand. And so I enjoy books that try and do that. Mm-hmm. One of the things I found especially fascinating about Nation on the Take was you have a chapter on there uh, that basically is entitled something like America's Getting Fatter. And you point out that, that the obesity crisis actually has a political component to it. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Well, it does indeed, because uh, uh, the beverage industry in particular, but also the, the, you know, the, the food industry uh, broadly, uh, are able to uh, call the shots in Washington just like the pharmaceutical industry does and the insurance industry does. Uh, they've been able to avoid any kind of restrictions that uh, uh, would, uh, uh, would, would make it better, actually, for the country. And, and what happens is that uh, the, uh, the big beverage companies have uh, loaded up their drinks, for example, with sugar, uh, and uh, uh, the, the food companies have <clears throat> done the same thing with high fructose corn syrup uh, to the point that people unknowingly are buying products that uh, uh, make them much, much fatter than was the case just a few years ago. Uh, and uh, so we, that's one of the drivers of the obesity problem. Uh, there have been efforts certainly at the, at the local level uh, to tax sugar, sugary, sugary beverages, uh, 
to hinder or, or reduce the consumption of sugary drinks. Uh, but the, um, the American Beverage Association and its allies have worked uh, relentlessly, spent tons of money to beat those efforts back. Uh, so they rarely ever succeed because of all the money that is being spent by the beverage industry and others to uh, uh, to defeat those efforts. Only only a few examples uh, uh, are uh, there are only a few examples in which um, we've been able to overcome that. I live in Philadelphia, and uh, uh, Philadelphia is one of the very few cities that has been able to uh, enact uh, and pass uh, a levy on sugary beverages that uh, is already showing uh, making a difference. And the proceeds, by the way, uh, from that new tax is helping to improve the educational system. Well, I met with a congressman about 10 years ago, and that congressman was saying that uh, we ought to increase the the tax on cigarettes to help pay for the children's health insurance program. And my suggestion instead was, why don't we start taxing sugar? Because, frankly, the sugars, uh, to kids in particular, is as much a danger as anything else. And the congressman's response was, Steve, as bad as the tobacco industry is and the lobbyists, they are small-time compared to the sugar lobby. He said, mm-hmm. I, I would get eaten alive if I took on the sugar lobby. So I, I just, I was shocked. You know, they, they yeah, seem so yeah. sweet, you know. Anyway. They don't they, though? <laughs> they really so, do, but they are some of the most influential, uh, uh, I call them swamp, swamp monsters uh, that we had. Well, there in another chapter, in the, I recommend the whole book, but another chapter that you have in your book, uh, Nation on the Take deals with uh, chemicals and the the kind of things that that are in our atmosphere that are making us sick, and the the politics of it, the, which is to say the money of it, is really preventing our country from doing what it needs to do. And we now have, you know, the EPA is is on life support as it is. So I, I don't really need a comment on that, but I just wanted to to point that out that the book talks about a whole bunch of different industries. Now we're going to yeah. go into a, a break in just a couple minutes, but you commented that your book, Nation on the Take, also has some suggestions about what people can do. And I'm just going to rattle off. There's four categories. Everyone needs to participate. Everyone needs to know what they're talking about. Everyone needs to play by the same rules, and everyone needs to be held accountable. And so when we, we come back from the break, though, I want to talk about what your, your next chapter is. It's something called the Tarbell Institute. And so when we come back from our break, we'll get into that, and then you can tell the listeners how they can really get involved and what the average person can do. So this is Steve Larchuk, Healthcare Politics, with our guest, Wendell Potter. What are all the things you witness online in a day? Cats playing piano, selfies on your feed, your friend's picture being turned into a nasty meme that's been shared 50 times, 51, 52. When someone's being bullied online, it's hard to know what to do. Now you can speak up with the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble, and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool, and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. And you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food, because 40% of all food in the US never gets eaten. Save the food. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. 
For tips and recipes, visit SaveTheFood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. Today we decided to walk to school. The light counted. 15, 14, 41, I mean 13. We took a left on Carroll Street. Danny's smart, but he gets distracted. I realized he forgot his homework. I hope he doesn't have another bad day at school. When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everyone, to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk and this week's special guest, Wendell Potter. We've been talking about the healthcare industry and and money in politics, and as we've been discussing, Mr. Potter was a very highly placed healthcare executive who back in 2008 and nine, became instrumental in getting the word out in terms of what was really happening in healthcare. And without him, and there's maybe half a dozen people that made the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act possible, and I put uh, Wendell Potter in that very, very small group. I put him right up there with... Uh, Nancy Pelosi, and of course, President Obama. He, his role is not to be underestimated, but he's moving on. He's, he's also written a book called Nation on the Take, and the next chapter of your life, uh, Wendell, involves something called the Tarbell Institute. Can you tell us about that? Well, Tarbell, uh, and uh, I encourage uh, your listeners to go to tarbell.org, which is our, uh, our landing page, the beginning of our website, Tarbell is a, a new kind of news organization, journalism organization. It's unique in this country, uh, and it's unique, uh, uniquely needed in the 21st century. Uh, it will uh, pull the curtains back, as I've done with Deadly Span and Nation on the Take, to help people understand who really runs this country, uh, who calls the shots. Uh, uh, we'll be naming names. We'll be uh, looking at that swamp that Donald Trump said he would, would – uh, uh, would drain, and we will tell you who dwells in that swamp and how they get what they want uh, and how what they do affects uh, your lives every day. But we won't stop there. We're going to, as we did with, with uh, Nation on the Tick, explain what you can do about it. Uh, voting is one thing. That's absolutely uh, uh, critical. Uh, but becoming more informed, which is what we will do, and engaged and empowered. We will go the step further of explaining how people can get involved, uh, what they need to do to uh, be active on a particular interest that they're, they're concerned about. Uh, and we will point to solutions. It's going to be a, a, a blend of investigative journalism and what's called solutions journalism. We'll be uh, letting people uh, explaining that our problems are not uh, intractable. They are solvable, uh, and they can be solved. They can be fixed. Uh, if we uh, know how to go about doing it. Uh, and so we'll point to solutions and we'll help people understand how they can become part of the solution, solution too. Now, this organization is uh, named after Ida, I-D-A, Ida Tarbell. And right. why did you select her? Why is she the inspiration for this organization? Well, I, I'm proud to say that Ida Tarbell is a Pennsylvanian. She grew up in western Pennsylvania, northwestern Pennsylvania, Erie. Uh, she was one of uh, the most important journalists in American history. Her name is, has been somewhat lost to history, but in the early 20th century, she was the first and one of the most important uh, muckraking journalists. Uh, and 
that was a term that was actually used by Teddy Roosevelt initially derisively, but uh, she and other journalists like her uh, embraced it. And what she did with her reporting was uh, do what we're going to be doing with Tarbell, uh, Tarbell.org. We're going to be pulling the curtains back to help people understand uh, how corporate interests in particular uh, do what they do and get what they get uh, and how that affects us. She took on John D. Rockefeller's Standard Oil Company, which at that time was a huge, huge, what was called the trust, uh, a big conglomerate that was um, uh, uh, getting bigger and bigger and bigger and running a lot of businesses out of business. So she took them on, and uh, her reporting uh, led to the breakup of Standard Oil Company, and it led to important um, antitrust and campaign finance laws uh, during the, the Rose, uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt administration. So she's our guiding spirit. We hope to do a proud. We want to do the same kind of work that she did, of pulling the curtains back and explaining things and helping people uh, understand how their lives are affected by uh, uh, by corporate interest. Well, in at the time there was no internet. They were doing it with newspapers and and, and magazines, trying to get the word out. And although there was less competition, people didn't have the iPhones uh, pasted to their hands. It was still a challenge, plus she was a woman, a woman in a man's business. And so the fact that she was able to do that was astonishing, and it changed the course of history. And to the extent that the the, the 1900s created a union movement and a consumer movement and all of that, it really all can be traced back to Ida Tarbell. And, yes, we're very proud here in western Pennsylvania that that she uh, was born here and did a lot of her work in western PA. But I want to trans- transition now to just some advice. If you can give us some advice, you you walk the walk. You walked away from what you were doing and have been doing great things for other people ever since. What can the average person do? Uh, how can we make a difference? What we need to do is, like I said, uh, first uh, become informed and uh Go to tarbell.org and sign up so that you can be on our mailing list and stay uh, up to date on, on, on our progress. We're not publishing journalism yet. We're going to be uh, launching a crowdfunding campaign this summer. Uh, so sign up, and we'll keep you posted on that, and we'll let you know when we are beginning to uh, uh, to publish our journalism on our website. And uh, But also uh, pay attention uh, and know uh, uh, what is you know, you know, when you if you have a particular interest, whether it is healthcare or the environment, uh, really spend the time to get to understand the issue and and who is affecting it, uh, and look for organizations that are engaged in an issue you care about and check them out, uh, and uh, uh, and join them or support them in some way. That's very important. Civic engagement. One of the things we'll be doing with Tarbell is, uh, uh, in a sense. Uh, explaining or teaching uh, uh, Civics 101 to a certain extent, uh, and also having people understand how they can reach their member of Congress, for example, or their state legislator. Uh, And uh, uh, so all that's important. If somebody were to say to you, oh, come on, I'm just one person, no one's going to listen to me, Uh, our members of Congress aren't even having town halls the way they used to, if I don't have a lot of money to contribute to them, I just don't count. How would you, how would you encourage them to get in the game? That's why I, I, I so strongly encourage people to look at uh, uh, affiliating with uh, groups that exist or form a group. Uh, 
because they can make a, a big difference. Uh, you know, they're, uh, even writing a letter, a single letter to a lawmaker makes a big difference because uh, lawmakers and their staff, uh, that's one way that they can gauge the pulse of the public. Uh, so that's very, very important. But working in a group is especially important. Uh, and uh, uh, we cite one example in Tarbell of, of people in Tallahassee who came together because of corruption at the local level. And the people who came together on, on the right were Tea Party members. On the left, there were liberals uh, and a lot of folks in the middle who uh, they realized the one thing they had in common was their uh, disgust with uh, uh, the corruption in local politics. So they worked together to make something happen, and it did happen. They, they were able to get uh, uh, new laws passed to, to, to uh, clean up uh, the corruption, and uh, uh, that's just an example of what happens when people can come together and find common ground and, uh, uh, and really push, push ahead. Well, half of life is just showing up, so show up. Uh, right. we, we just have a short time left, but I, I want to get your prediction. What do you think is going to happen with health care this year? Well, I think we'll, we'll know uh, by September uh, whether anything is going to happen or not. Uh, there is so much going on uh, with uh, uh, the investigation into Russia's involvement that that's going to overshadow what happens on health care for quite some time. Uh, it may derail uh, the attempts to uh, uh, repeal the Affordable Care Act. I don't think that that will end the effort. There are some uh, moderate Republicans and, and Democrats who are working behind the scenes to see if there might be some ways that, that they can uh, come up with some fixes for the Affordable Care Act. And I think that would be, that would be ideal. Uh, it's not a perfect law. Well, so we'll, we'll have to see. We will see. And so, uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, this, is, this has been Wendell Potter as our guest this week, uh, one of the true uh, inspirations about what one person can do in, when they really want to. Uh, I'll be back shortly with some final thoughts, but let me just say, uh, Wendell, it's been a, an honor to have you on the show, and thank you, and keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Steve. My pleasure. This is Steve Larchuk. Healthcare Politics will be right back. Well, they had 50 years to get the problem solved. Soaring costs and less access is where we evolve. Hi, I found a toy dinosaur over on the playground by Smith Street. It had this phone number on it, and, well, I just wanted to make sure the dinosaur made it back to its little owner. When I found the little sippy cup, I just had to give you a call. It's for a kid, you know? I know my son gets super attached to the smallest things, even a fire truck, and I'd be happy to drop it off. We'd do anything for kids, yet one in six children in the U.S. struggle with hunger. Help end childhood hunger. Contact Food Bank of West Central Texas. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Or not. M2. Or not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. What if I told you that a tornado was going to happen tomorrow right where you live? That it would touch down at exactly 3.17 p.m. and I told you the exact path it would take. You would, of course, prepare. You would talk with your loved ones, and you'd make a plan today. 
It's true, I can't tell you a tornado will strike tomorrow, but shouldn't you have a plan anyway? Go to ready.gov slash communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true. I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow. But what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. And thank you so much for joining us for another week of Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. It has been an honor and a pleasure to have this week as our special guest, Wendell Potter. If you listen to the whole show, you, you probably were impressed with the sacrifice he's made, and he's still working for all of us. He, he left the healthcare industry. He left the cushy job. He's a, an example of uh, walking the walk. If you would like to be part of our program with a question or comment, please contact us through comment at healthcare-politics.com. That's comment at healthcare-politics.com. Many thanks to our national sponsor, Pair Networks, world-class web hosting and domain name registration. Learn more, pair.com, P-A-I-R.com. Our music has been courtesy of Mike Stout. Our booker is Dr. Ann McGarry. Engineering and technical support is provided by TUE Media. Until next week, remember the words of Martin Luther King, Jr., of all forms of injustice, inequality in health care is the most shocking and inhumane. Please do visit us at healthcare-politics.com. You can download all our podcasts from the past 15 shows or so. This has been Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk, a production of Dare to be Reasonable Media. Catch you next week.